So, this is Vibe Drive episode 149, and 149 brings the return of the king of iPad. That's right, he's back, he's here, we're live on Vibe Drive, which starts now. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech, and welcome back to another episode of Fight Drive. This is the podcast about tech, hosted by the man about tech, and tonight, he returns the iPad maestro, tech content creator, king of iPads, iPad everything, Mr. iPad Olympia himself. Mr. Christopher Lawley is back. What's up, bro? How you doing? I am doing great. This is my second time back, and honestly, every time I get the best intro from you. Like nobody can Woo! top your intros. They're the best. I feel yeah. I, I I'm psyched. Let's go. Woo! That's right. I am so glad to have you. Thank you for making the time of my. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I I had a lot of fun last time, and I'm I'm excited to be back. Let's do this. So it's funny because you were actually requested to be on here because I had uh, Andrew Edwards. He was in my Twitter page for my last episode with Renee Ritchie. He was like, you need to bring Christopher Lawley on here. I'm like, I've had him on here, but we'll bring him back. So we brought you back and we are here to go. But before we start anyway, I got to congratulate you because right over your right shoulder there is a 100,000 subscriber YouTube plaque, the silver plaque. So congratulations to you, sir. That's an accomplishment right Thank there. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just got this. I am so excited. Uh, it's been a ton of hard work, but I'm, I was never a sports kid. I don't have sports trophies. That is like kind of makes up for that. I'm so excited. But a huge congratulations to you because you just made a huge announcement. I mean, Ooh. you want to you want to tell the people what I mean, they probably already know. But congratulations <laughs> to you. You had you just made a really big announcement. I did. I did. I, you know what? I mean, since we're here, since you put me on the spot, you put your yeah. boy right on the spot. We go, go. I, we can get into it real quick. I mean, if you're going to congratulate me, I got to congratulate you because <laughs> you had a huge announcement. I, I respect that. I, mean, I respect that. So for those of y'all who don't know, uh, Vid Summit, one of the probably the best all, uh, video creator conferences out there happens usually every year. Last year, obviously, it was impacted by the pandemic, so it was completely virtual. This year, they're returning to live events or in-person events, I should say. I already had everything booked. My hotel, my flight, everything was already booked. I was going there anyway. I was going to be there regardless. But then I got a DM from the homie Daryl Eads, who is the founder of Vid Summit. He was like, yo, Pfeiffer, I need to know, will you be willing to be one of the MCs for Vid Summit? And for those of y'all that don't know what an MC is, basically means a host. They're, I guess they're going to have multiple MCs, but Daryl Eads hit me up personally like, yo, Pfeiffer, I want you to be one of the hosts for Vid Summit. And how can I reject that? I mean, I'm, yeah. of course, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the building anyway. I'm already there. So, of course, I accepted so. At Vid Summit 2021, at the end of September of this year, Viper, not only will I be in attendance taking it all in, I will actually be one of the MCs at Vid Summit 2021. So thank you for the congrats, man. I appreciate that's, the love, bro. That's awesome. No, <laughs> that's that's huge. That is some serious recognition yeah. right there. You are doing some great work, and that is that is awesome. Hats off. Man, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. So we gonna give we gonna go from zero to hundred right off the bat. Let's do it. So let, let, let me, uh, I talked about this before. I think uh, Renee, both Renee and Drew, uh, Taylor's and Tech, when they were all here. So I got to talk about it with you. So M1 iPad Pro released near the end of April. Apple did a couple of things that they have never done before with previous iPads with the brand new M1s. Well, I guess the best headline, the biggest headline, obviously, was the fact that they included the M1 chip on the iPad Pro. Kind of crazy. We didn't think that was happening, but 
I mean, the A14 chip in previous iPads or the A chip in previous iPads were derivative of the M1 anyway. So it's not it's not that far of a leap. But yeah. the other thing that happened with the new M1 iPad Pro is that Apple introduced uh, a new storage option, a two terabyte storage option. In addition to actually bumping up the RAM, uh, the previous model last year had six gigabytes of RAM. The standard this year is eight gigabyte. But Chris, they also introduced a 16 gigabyte variant of the M1 iPad Pro. So all of this beefed up hardware led us taking to speculate. What the hell is the iPad doing with all this additional hardware? <laughs> Clearly, there's something coming down the pipeline at WWDC. Because remember, the iPad released at the end of April. WWDC is at the beginning of June, only a few weeks away. I, I'm like, we're, we're like, okay, clearly Apple has some type of other plan for these iPad Pro. So we were kind of excited. We thought maybe we might get pro level apps like Final Cut Pro or something, or maybe Mac OS and iPad OS for merge, something like something crazy. We thought we were thinking about it, we were speculating. But here comes WWDC 21. Apple announces iPad OS 15, and we just like, I think we all probably let out a collective high, like. What is this, Apple? Why are you teasing us? No, no major changes to iPadOS at WWDC. So, Chris, my question to you, being the iPad maestro, how did we bamboozle our own selves into thinking that Apple going to make major changes when history should have told us that there, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't going to be like that. But we, we, we kind of got ourselves all jazzed up. And we got we got the okie doke. <laughs> so uh, okay, let's 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 go back a little bit. So M1 chip comes to the iPad Pro. Well, the M1 chip is just the A14X rebranded. So the previous iPads in 2018, they got the A12X. Then the ones that came out in 2020, they got the A12Z, which was based on the A12X that just had one more GPU core um, because the A12X had seven GPU cores and one of them was disabled for binning reasons because it just wasn't when you there, you were making them at such mass, they weren't able to make all a GPU cores working in 2020. They perfected that. So we roll around to 2021, um, end of 2020, actually, I'm sorry. Uh, the, uh, M one chip comes out in the max, the max are going arm They're The apples making their own chips, Sayonara Intel. Uh, and it's all on the M one chip. Now what, Fast forward to the iPad Pros. Um, it makes sense. I'm surprised it honestly, the branding is the M1 chip. I'm not surprised that it's the same chip. I am surprised it is. They're calling it the M1 chip in the iPad Pros and not just the A14X. But I think the M1 chip was received so well that they're like, of course, we're going to put <laughs> this branding on this chip because it was received so well in the Macs. We want this in the iPad because, you know, everyone loves it in the Macs. Everyone's going to love it in the iPads. But when they got that, people were disappointed because there wasn't the software to back that up. Now, I would argue there is the software already to back that up. Um, for those that don't know, I run my whole channel from an iPad, I, meaning I edit all my videos. I've edited podcasts. I edit photos. I, my whole creative workflow and whole administrative business workflow is completely on the iPad. Um, so that's that's pretty important to me. Um, fast forwarding to WWDC, we see iPad OS 15. Now, there's some pretty key things in here. Um, one, they reworked multitasking. Now, having all that extra RAM in the M1 chips means multitasking is just going to work even better. More apps are going to be able to stay open in the background. More app pairs will be able to stay open without things uh, having to reload from scratch when opening them. That's pretty important. Um, but 
Apple also made a huge announcement that I think for a lot of YouTubers kind of went under the radar because we don't typically do. I mean, I know there's some YouTubers that do this, but Swift Playgrounds is getting a massive update. Mm. You're going to be able to write an app start to finish on your iPad, write the first line of code all the way to submitting it to the app store for sale. So this is Apple's true first pro app for the iPad. Now, there have already been pro apps on the iPad. In fact, I did a video about that recently, about a bunch of pro apps that are already on the iPad that you can use today with different iPads, not just the iPad Pro. Um, but Swift Playgrounds is Apple's true first pro app. I don't think Final Cut and Logic are that far away from the iPad now. The iPad has the hardware to run it. Um, I, you can kind of see with different... Uh, mm, you can kind of see with different uh, APIs and some other stuff that, that it's kind of hinting at um, pro apps coming. A few weeks ago after WWDC, Apple announced that there's going to be a um, – um, I'm blanking on the word. Uh, what am I – anyway, some apps are going to be able to take advantage of more RAM on these faster iPads, which mm -hmm. signals to me – Pro apps are coming from Apple. Uh, not all apps are going to be able to do it. Apple's going to basically allow only certain apps to do this, certain third-party apps and, of course, their apps. This is so that apps that are poorly written don't get through um, because if you write an app that just eats up all the RAM, one, multitasking will never work on your iPad. Two, it's just going to crash everything. So app ram limitations in ios and ipad os are kind of a necessary thing to keep better multitasking keep apps running in the background without crashing them it's just like how chrome or slack or something on the mac can just eat up all your ram and then just make your computer just make your the fastest computer just come to an absolute crawl yeah uh so i think there are enough flags, there's enough signals to me to show that Apple is working on pro apps and it's coming. Uh, it's just not ready just yet. I, I would, if I'm a betting man, I would bet the fall or maybe the spring of next year. So you say that pro level apps are on the way. We just got to wait a little bit longer. Okay. Okay. Yeah. From Apple and, and pro level apps are already here. Like if you want yeah. an editing app, LumaFusion's great. If you want photo editing app, there's Lightroom, Darkroom, Pixelmator Photo. There, there's so many things out there. Definitely, definitely. So you were alluding to uh, some things that Apple did with iPad OS 15. Now, I think for most of the hardcore tech nerds, um, given the hardware that is in the new iPad Pro this year, the upgrades to iPad OS 15 were kind of a letdown. I'm curious, as a person, as you just stated, who runs their entire business off of their iPad, what are your what are your what are your like more in depth thoughts on iPad OS 15? Um, did Apple do enough to satisfy you, a person who does everything on your iPad? Or are there still some things that you'd like to see added that have not been added as of yet? There's always going to be stuff that I want to see added. <laughs> um, one thing that I kind of kept in mind going into this WWDC is we had the pandemic last year. A lot of people had to start working from home, working remotely, weren't working in person together. So that I'm sure I am absolutely 100% positive that impacted some of the features that would have been in iOS, iPadOS, macOS, all the, all the updates that would have came out this year. I'm positive that would have impacted those. Right. Um, was there enough in iPadOS 15? I, 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 I can go back and forth on that. Uh, multitasking, I think multitasking has finally hit its stride in iPadOS 15. Then there's features like Quick Note that I'm super excited about. Shortcuts, which is something I use every single day, um, got some massive changes. There, there's a bunch of stuff that I am 
been asking for for a really long time that have come to iPadOS 15 that I would like to see or that I've wanted to see, and that's here now. Um, but there's stuff like Time Machine for the iPad, uh, true external monitor support, at, you know, Final Cut and Logic, stuff like that that I still want to see come in the future. But I'm not writing the iPad off because it didn't come in iPadOS 15. There's always going right. to be more. There's always going to be something else. Like a few years ago, it used to be external drive support. Like that was the thing. And then before that was a files app and stuff like that. <laughs> there's always been kind of like a... Uh, like moving the goalposts for the iPad in the tech industry. It's like, we've we've always wanted one thing. Okay, then we get it. Then we pick up the goalposts and run it 100 meters that way and then put it back down. It's like, okay, now you got to get here. So it's kind of always been that way for the iPad playing catch up almost to like what we want. And I'm okay with that. There's that I can run my business right now and do everything that I need to from the iPad. There's stuff that would make that uh, those quality of life things even better. Um, but it's not that I I'm not writing off the iPad because they don't have them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we know that the iPad is the most dominant tablet out there in the game today. No other tablet even remotely close to iPad. And there's still a lot of good things going on with iPad right now, even though, according to the hardcore tech nerds, iPad OS 15 was probably let down. I'm guessing uh, I, see, I know for the math public, however, I mean, they're going to be happy with the changes in iPad OS 15 because they weren't, they were never expecting some of the stuff that weak hardcore techies were expecting with iPad OS. So they don't care about pro level apps. They don't care about yeah. some of the stuff that we want. They just want the iPad for media consumption, probably maybe doing some drawing, different things like that. And they're happy. Internet, internet TV and all that stuff. So they're happy. So also the other thing that came with iPad, the pro level iPads this year, the addition of 5G. I don't know if that's a big deal yet, even still here in 2021, but now they're at least they are future proof. So when 5G becomes more of a valuable option, you now have more on these iPad Pro. Yeah, um, I have 5G disabled on mine just because in my area, 5G <laughs> is pretty terrible. Uh, right. It's actually worse than LTE in most cases when it comes to latency. So while the download speeds might be slightly faster, it, it doesn't it's it still ends up being slower. So um, I'm anxious to see what good 5G would look like. Um, We'll see. I, I have it on my iPad here. I use it. It's 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 handy to have. But like I said, I, I mostly rely on LTE. Yeah, I uh, I have a five. I have the iPad Pro M1 and I have a, the iPad. I mean, not the iPad, I have the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Both have 5G. I have 5G turned off on the uh, on the on the iPhone because it like you said, it's slower in a lot of cases than 4T, uh, 4G LTE. So 5G is still not quite ready for prime time yet, but obviously in the future, as the network develop more and more, it'll be ready, and then we can take full advantage of that. So uh, I want to go back to something you were talking about a little bit earlier. I want to dig a little bit deeper into pro-level apps on iPad. Now, I will obviously, I do my research for the podcast, and I was looking through your video catalog as of late, and you recently made a whole entire video talking about the pro-level apps that are on iPad. Obviously, yeah. the iPad has some pro-level apps. But I think when we hardcore tech, uh, when we hardcore tech nerds talk about the lack of pro level app, we're talking about things like Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro, things like that. But like you said in your video, the iPad has pro level apps on it right now already. Some of them, which both me and you use on a on a probably a day to day, -to -day basis. Mm -hmm. The one that comes to my mind immediately is Affinity Photo, which is I, uh, which is the uh, a Photoshop competitor. Yep. Affinity Photo is major. I use it for all my YouTube thumbnails, the feature set, the customization, just the things that you can do with a photo with that program. Definitely pro level. Um, I know you said Photoshop is on iPad. Uh, even though if it's even if it's a watered down version of the desktop app, you can still use Photoshop on iPad. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people use Lightroom on iPad. And you got Pixelmator. You got other uh, graphic design apps and other 
app that aren't even graphic design. So there's a bunch of other pro level apps. So, so I guess my question to you, Chris, is what are some of the other pro level apps that people might not be aware of that are on iPad right now? Um, there is a ton of CAD apps. If you do any sort of like design for buildings or anything like that, there are an absolute ton of CAD apps. That's actually a category that got cut from that video just because I had no idea what I was talking about with that. And I figured <laughs> if somebody, if somebody is doing CAD, they will probably know what to look for better than what I would. Um, but one of the things when I was doing research for that video that I found really surprising is there is a plethora of 3d design applications, 3d models apps there was one called nomad sculpt that really jumped out at me you could design 3d objects in it paint it do all sorts of things it, it never slowed down it, it never felt you know like it was limited by the hardware or anything like that it was it was really impressive uh now i'm not an artist at all i can't draw to save my life uh but some of the stuff that's on their website just was really really impressive and i was just i was kind of blown away that this was created on the ipad um through this application um, Procreate is an app that a lot of people use really often. It's going to be getting an update if it hasn't gotten it already. I haven't checked in on it in a minute. Um, but you're going to be able to paint 3D objects on the new iPad Pros, on the on the new M1 iPad Pros. You're going to be able to paint 3D objects in that. That's pretty intensive as far as CPU and GPU power. Um, so there's a lot of stuff for artists here. Uh, LumaFusion, I think, was an app you and I talked about last time I was on. Like, yep. that's a video editor app. If that's not a Final Cut competitor, like, I, there's stuff that's missing in it that that is in Final Cut. But I've been using it for four or five years, basically since the start of my channel. Uh, I've been using it as my video editing application to edit all my videos. And I don't really feel like I'm missing anything. Sometimes I have to get a little creative to get around something that's missing in it. But honestly, I kind of feel that helps me become a better editor uh, just because it makes me think outside the box. Like, hey, how could I accomplish this thing that I know would be super easy in Final Cut or Premiere that is a little more tricky in a application like this. But if you're just starting out in video editing and you don't have that baggage of Final Cut or Premiere or even Avid or something like that, LumaFusion is a great place to start because it doesn't have all those like weird features that and like weird buttons and menu <laughs> options and all this stuff that like like thousands of options and you could just feel overwhelmed really quickly. LumaFusion doesn't have that. It's a great place to start video editing and I've just kept editing video there. I own an M1 Mac Mini so I could technically edit in Final Cut if I want to, but honestly, that just sits as a file server. I don't use it. I don't interact with that computer at all. It, I, it sits headless, meaning it doesn't have a monitor plugged into it, and I just remote control to in it, remote control it from my iPad. Mm, wow! So the man has a Mac Mini on deck, but he uses it as a file server. He's like, I don't need you. I got an iPad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and technically, I haven't been using it as a file server lately because the new iPad Pros, they got Thunderbolt. And since they got Thunderbolt, I've been able to take the drives that I've been using as that archive storage, just plugging them straight into my iPad, actually plugging them into my uh, Thunderbolt hub that I have right over here, um, plugging them in there and just backing up those files there. So I actually haven't been using it. I should probably sell the Mac Mini before like the M2 or M1X chip comes out. But yeah, honestly, that was kind of the biggest waste of money ever. <laughs> it wow. was a good tax write-off, I guess. <laughs> wow. M1 Mac Mini for sale, y'all. <laughs> so we've been waxing poetic about iPad, but we both know that the iPad and iPadOS and the whole iPad experience, it has limitations. 
Yeah. Um, probably the number one, well, one of the biggest limitations for iPad is just the lack of ports. Um, you got you got one port, and that's the Thunderbolt port on a newer iPad. Obviously, you could buy a dongle, but that might be that might not be ideal for some people. Oh, uh, what mm-hmm. are some of the other limitations that you are running into with iPad? I mean, I know you use it for everything, but obviously, I'm pretty sure you run into limitations and things oh, that yeah. you can do. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest, as just like a creative person, is there's not a good backup system. So mm-hmm. when you go to backup your iPad, there's only one way to do it is with iCloud, and it backs up an image of your iPad. Now it only backs it up when it's plugged into power and off. So most of the time when I'm using it, if it's plugged into power, it's because it's set up at my desk setup and I'm actually actively using it there. So every two weeks or so I get that notification saying, Hey, your device hasn't been backed up in two weeks or whatever. And I have to manually go in there and back it up. I would love to see time machine for the iPad. In fact, uh, I was tweeting about this the other day. This is the hill I'm going to die on now. Like this is the thing I'm going to get fixed for the iPad come hell or high water. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The other thing I want to see fixed, too, is external monitor support. Um, Right now, when you plug in an iPad to a monitor, it just crops it to a 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Yeah, I'm kind of... This was one of the things that I was surprised didn't get fixed in iPadOS 15. If I I was going into WWDC, if I was going to bet money on something, I would have bet money on this. Um, This kind of being truly supported. Right now, it's kind of supported. It mirrors it. But like some things can be a little wonky. Uh, you could technically use the iPad in clamshell mode, meaning you can close it up in a keyboard case. But if you come across something that requires face ID or um, something where you have to like tap on the display, um, it just doesn't work very well. So I'm I'm kind of surprised that hasn't been fixed yet. Yeah, besides the besides the uh, the lack of ports, I think my other probably the biggest limitation I have with iPad and iPad OS is the file system. Um, yes, mm. there's a files app on there, but it's not very intuitive. And if you don't really understand how it works, it could be a little confusing. And yeah, yeah, it it doesn't work how you would, how a file management system should. So yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it definitely forks itself. Like you have to realize like, is this something that's locally on the, on my iPad section, or is this something in iCloud or another third party cloud service? Um, I've gotten rid of Dropbox. I'm just all in on iCloud now because Mm -hmm. it just makes using the files app easier. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, files does need a little bit of TLC. Definitely, definitely, for real. <laughs> Shout out to those of y'all who are listening on audio only this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Job with me and my man, Chris Lawley. If you want to go check out his content about iPads and other tech-related content, and you should, his channel will be in the show notes of the podcast. So go down there, take a look, check him out. He is legit. If you guys would like to support the podcast monetarily, there should be a buy me a coffee link in the show notes. It is not required, but anything that you are willing to contribute, as always, will be greatly, greatly appreciated. I just love that you guys tune in each and every time I drop a new episode of the podcast. If you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, though, if you could do me a huge favor and leave a rating or review, it helps the podcast get out to more eyes, help more people discover it, different things like that, help Apple... Um, become more likely to recommend the podcast. So if you are listening on Apple Podcast, which most of you are, uh, please leave that rating and review. And thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive. So Chris, obviously, as I alluded to earlier, the big hubbub in the tech space anyway was that iPad OS really didn't meet a lot of our expectations, especially with the added hardware on the iPad Pro. A lot of people feel like Mac OS and iPad OS are just like merge or have a baby or something. 
I'm curious to get your thoughts. Do you do you are you one of those people that would like to see Mac OS on iPad? No. Or how do you feel about this? Explain. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. not <laughs> at all. So <laughs> okay. I see, and I'm gonna get yelled at by somebody for this, I guarantee it. Uh I see the Mac as a traditional computer. It's around. I'm glad it's around. It needs to still be around. Um but I see the iPad and the iPhone kind of as the future of computing. Now, the future of computing is not quite here yet. That's why the Mac needs to still be around. We're kind of in this weird middle ground. But eventually, we don't need to have things like disk utility and all these weird utility apps that you know hang around on the Mac and PCs and stuff like that. Like all like I mean, back in the day, we used to have to defrag our hard drives. We don't have mm. to do that anymore. So I kind of see this as progress in the computing world. So putting Mac OS on an iPad, in my opinion, is going backwards. It would be going back to the days where we would have to defrag our hard drives and have spinning hard drives in our computers and stuff like that. Yes, the iPad still needs more, and it's not like the iPad isn't going to get it, um, but that stuff takes time. It's not going to happen in, in a single year. I don't think uh, the iPad OS 13 was huge, but if we go back to that year, that was actually supposed to come out the year of iOS 12, but that got pushed because everyone was complaining about performance issues and apple executives said nope no no major features we're going to focus on performance fixing bugs stuff like that and those big features like ipad os 13 got pushed so that got a whole extra year to cook so when people say oh i want another ipad os 13 year you got to keep in mind that's kind of two years um to be fair um but ultimately i do see the ipad as the future of computing it's just going to take time to kind of get there. And I don't mean like future of computing, we're all just going to be using tablets and desktops are going away. Um, I could see the iPad getting bigger and bigger. And, and in fact, getting a desktop version of the iPad. This is something I've wished for for a long time. Give me a 24, 27 inch iPad that needs to be plugged into power all the time. Doesn't have a battery, needs to be plugged into power. I could pair a keyboard and trackpad with it and use it and use the Apple Pencil with it. Like the Microsoft Studio thing. Like that was a cool design Microsoft did. I really like that as a design. Now it ran Windows, so I wasn't going to touch it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I used to be an IT guy. Oh, shot fired. Shot fired on the podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I used to be an IT guy. I used Windows all the time. Whoa. I just don't like it. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a cool design. Like, I liked it as a design of a product. And something like that running iPad OS, I think would be really cool. Um, but yeah, no, I don't I don't think Mac OS and iPad OS should merge at all. Okay, I, I need to go back to something you just said. So you were talking about how you would like to see a 24 to 27 inch iPad. And yeah. we, we've had rumors lately that, they're, that Apple might be considering making bigger iPads, maybe 14, 16 inch iPads. I'm of the opinion that the iPads at current size don't even use the screen real estate properly. I don't know what the hell we're going to do with a bigger iPad, but you want a bigger iPad. So talk yeah. about that. Yeah. I, so, I just thought that interesting. So um, those 14 and 16 inch rumors, I kind of have this theory that they aren't going to be tablets. They're going to be laptops. They're going to be iPads that are like permanently attached to a magic keyboard case. I don't know. That's just because that seems too big to be a tablet to me. I don't, I don't know what you think about that, but like, yeah. I like that's too big. But as far as using the screen real estate, well, right now we have split view between two apps. Well, for those bigger ones, why not have three apps? 
Mm, uh, why not have more apps? And then like one of the things that's really interesting with iPad OS 15 is Quick Note. Quick Note is basically this feature where you could swipe in from the bottom right hand corner or hit a uh, globe queue on a keyboard. And it brings up this little notes window and you could type in this note and then dismiss it and get saved into notes. But it's this little popover window. And between that and picture and picture and slide over, you're kind of starting to see this like floating window design come to iPad OS. So I'm starting to wonder if windowing is coming eventually if it's not just going to always be full screen apps if you're going to be able to resize stuff and move it around um that would also make sense if they were going to do a bigger ipad so maybe interesting okay okay so you are of the camp of yep give me the bigger ipad okay yep give me give me a bigger ipad but also redesign the mac mini or not mac mini i'm sorry ipad mini to look like the ipad pro Give me that. I, yeah, I want that as my tablet, my holder. Because right now I have a 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Me too. That is a big iPad to sit there and hold and try and read a book from. Yeah. So I would love an iPad mini for like reading a book, reading some tech news, uh, playing games, whatever. But my work computer is the 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Gotta be. Got to, man. Got yep. to. So we've been talking a lot in this podcast about things that the iPad can't do or things that we wish it would do that it doesn't do at the current time. So as a person who does everything off iPad, you literally eat, sleep, and breathe iPad. What are some things right now that iPad can do that some of us might not be aware of? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, so one of the things I always like kind of freak people out with is if you take the Apple Pencil, and your screen is locked, you could take the Apple Pencil, tap it, it'll wake it up, and it'll go right into notes. And you can just start jotting down a note. You can you can write you can write out a note right then and there. And there's some stuff in settings. You can kind of change how that behavior works. Uh, settings, notes, um, you can change how that behavior works. It works a little differently if you have a Touch ID iPad. I don't remember exactly how it is off the top of my head. Uh, but if you have one of the ones like an iPad Pro that, that uses Face ID or the new iPad Air, you can just take that Apple Pencil, tap the display, wakes right up and you can start jotting some notes. Um, hold down the command key. Uh, if you're still running iPad OS 14, hold down the command key and you can see uh, keyboard shortcuts for the app that you're currently in. That's a really nice feature. Still the same thing in iPad OS 15. It just has a nicer layout now. Um, but in iPad OS 15, if you hold down the globe key, um, you can see system-wide keyboard shortcuts. So keyboard shortcuts for entering multitasking, slide over, uh, triggering Siri. So one of the things that I love is I enable an accessibility feature called type to Siri. So instead of getting just talking to Siri when you trigger it, you get a little text bubble so you can type on it. So Ooh. I will now hit globe S and then just types to Siri, which is really nice if you're working outside or in a coffee shop or in an office or something. So you don't look like that weird guy yelling at your computer the whole time. <laughs> like play some music, play, play music. You, you don't, you don't <laughs> want to be that guy. Uh, right. So this way you can kind of just do that. That's, that's pretty nice. Um, but yeah, if you don't have, if you're using a keyboard that doesn't have a globe key, you can go into settings, general keyboard, hardware, key, re key replacement, something like that. And then you could swap out a, like, uh, you could swap out like the caps lock key to be the globe key or something like that. I do that on my mechanical keyboard. Wow, that is some pretty cool things that you just shared. Like, I don't think I probably wouldn't wear anything with the keyboard. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, oh, I use the uh, keyboard all day long. Uh, that's probably how I primarily interact with the iPad now. So which, uh, which keyboard are you using for your iPad? Are you using the Magic Keyboard or are you using one of the other ones? I'm using the Magic Keyboard right now. Um, it's nice. I like it. It's um, smart. The smart... Um, 
the smart connector. Wow, I blanked on it. Too many Apple names too many things with the word smart in front of it. I was going to say smart folio. No, that's not smart connector. Uh, it's really nice because you don't have to worry about charging the keyboard. Um, uh, back in you know the days when I started working from the iPad, there was no smart connector, so you are constantly having to charge you know the keyboard you're pairing with your iPad Air two and stuff like that. It was just annoying. Um, the smart connector fixed that. Um, the trackpad's good. It's small, but I got used to it really quickly. I'm able to do all the gestures and stuff with it. Um, right. It's definitely the keyboard I like. I do have the Logitech and Bridge one, the the two new ones that have from them here. Okay. I'm working on a keyboard comparison video, but there is a bug in iPad OS 15 that causes Bluetooth to be um, really buggy. Mm. Uh, it just it just cuts out a lot. So the Bridge keyboard isn't working great on iPad OS 15 right now. So I'm waiting for that bug to be fixed in the beta, and then I'll finish up that video. Okay, so a lot of people have been talking about this Logitech. Uh, I think it's called the uh, the the Slim Combo keyboard. Yeah, yeah, I have that one here. That's combo, the one I have here. Combo Touch, or I think it's called. Oh, yep. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, it's nice. Um, one of the things that I've always kind of like stood by when it came to key iPad keyboards is as soon as you add a kickstand, you've already lost because a kickstand makes it so much wider because now now the front of that whole piece comes down. You have to extend the kickstand out, so you need to have a really wide space in order to use it. And also, it doesn't work well on your lap. Um, so if you're, you know, sitting in a chair or something, it does not work well in your lap at all. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, one nice feature that they did do with this version is the keyboard part is detachable. So you can actually pull the keyboard off the case part. In the previous versions, you couldn't do that. Um, so that's a nice feature. It also has a function row. Um, that's something the Magic Keyboard doesn't have. Um, so if you're somebody that really wants a function row, that's there. But I would also, I would argue Control Center is kind of the function row for the iPad. Um, I mean, it's not hardware buttons, but I think you know what I mean. Right. Um, it, it's nice. It, it, it's good. It's good to type on. It, it's just, it's not for me. Um, it, it just requires a little too much work to get set up. And you just need that extra space that I don't have. Right. Yep. <laughs> it is kind of crazy that the uh, the Magic Keyboard doesn't have a function role. But like you said, um, if you just swipe down and get the control panel, you could do a lot of things there as well. Mm -hmm. Although I, I'm still arguing, I'm still screaming about the lack of a settings toggle in the control panel or the control center. Why do we not have access to the settings application from the control panel? That that blows my mind. I don't understand it. I'm actually surprised we don't have more stuff in control center that controls settings stuff. So instead of just jumping to the settings app, have more shortcuts to actual settings in there. Because there's a lot of wasted space in control center on the iPad especially. Um, because there, there, there's so much stuff, like you just get a, a little column on the right hand side, but there's so much extra space. So why not have even more settings that you could put in there? I'm with you on that. Yeah, it, it, it could be really interesting. Um, when the touch bar was announced for the MacBooks, I always thought that would be interesting on the iPad. I know the touch bar is not something that's loved with a lot of creators. Um, <laughs> they, they can't wait for that thing to go away. Uh, I always thought that would be interesting on the iPad and something like the Magic Keyboard. Now, that might be a little hard to design on the Magic Keyboard because if you look at one, like the way it's all set up to kind of save space and bring that iPad forward. Oh, that's something. That's another thing. Thing that I didn't like about the Logitech, uh, Logitech and Bridge. 
both of those keyboards um, are the keyboard part is the full size of the iPad, meaning so when you're typing, the iPad sits really far back. So it's not as easy as the Magic Keyboard to reach up and just tap the display really uh, quickly okay. and interact with the UI. You have to reach up and kind of reach out a little bit. So it's a little more of that gesture. Now, they have trackpads built onto them, so I don't think it's, you know, it doesn't hurt it at the end of the day, but um, it is still nice to be able to tap the display. It's something I still do a lot, even though we do have a trackpad now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, plus at this point, if you have an iPad for a while, like I'm pretty sure me and you have had, both have, mm -hmm. it's second nature to touch the iPad, even with a keyboard attached. It's literally second nature just to touch it. I mean, it's an iPad. That's what you do. It's a touch, it's a touch screen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, of, one of the biggest habits that I've had problem breaking over the summer is uh, trying to use keyboard shortcuts to set up multitasking now instead of just dragging and dropping applications because I got really fast at just dragging and dropping apps into split view uh, but now I'm, I'm working on my big iPad OS 15 video and stuff like that so I want to make sure I I've been using all these new features enough so breaking those habits of just dragging and dropping and using the keyboard um, that, that's been difficult so totally no doubt man no doubt so obviously next year 2022 um, iPad, probably your new iPad Pro next year, I'm guessing. Uh, what would you like to see on next year's iPad Pro? Um, it's probably too soon to see the bigger sizes, even though that's something I would definitely like to see. Um, just because I think it, that rumor we all saw a couple weeks ago was that they were just starting on it. So I think that's too soon. One thing that I would really want to see, and it's kind of a minor thing, is I want Apple to bring colors back to the iPad Pro line. They had gold for a while, but also like, come on, bring in blue or green or red or pink or purple, whatever. I, like just pro... Apple's pro computers are just so boring to look at because it's either space gray or silver. And it's just like, come on, have some fun I don't with understand it. This. Yeah. Why are Apple so allergic to colors on their pro level uh, product? I don't, I, I, I don't get it. I, it's like, fine. Offer the silver and space gray versions for the people that are like the enterprise people that are just buying in bulk and don't care. But like, come on, there, there, there are those of us that would be happy to have a gold one or a blue one or whatever. Because um, I was thinking the other day, how cool would a gold iPad Pro look in the uh, the black Magic Keyboard? That Ooh. would that would look good. I mean, that's that's basically your your colors right, right, right there. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. Yep. Yeah. So I'm like, that would look awesome. But um, also, I would love. I've been asking for this for a while. I don't think it'll ever happen. At least on the current size iPad Pros, is a second USB-C port or now a second Thunderbolt port. Uh, we were talking about that earlier. It would be really nice to have. Um, I don't think we will get that on the current size iPads. I think maybe the bigger ones we might. I would also say Apple's um, argument to that is that they added a USB-C port to the Magic Keyboard, so you can charge it and then plug in data stuff uh on the ipad so that's probably their argument to that there um but one thing i really want apple to do and this is kind of more just across their line i want them to make a game controller i want apple to actually get serious about video games uh, because right now i don't think a lot of people realize they can pair xbox or playstation controllers with their ipads iphones apple tvs whatever yep and on top of that apple has been kind of um they, they haven't been exactly easy to work with when it comes to these game streaming services. Yep. Uh, Xbox just launched theirs, and you have to go through Safari. And uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to try it, but it was really laggy when I when I did it. Yep. Yeah, so I was like, nah, this isn't even usable. I'll revisit it in a couple months or something. I, yeah. I figured it's probably a launch thing. But um, 
yeah, I really want Apple to make a game controller. I think that would just be kind of nice. Mm. Uh, just to be like, hey, and maybe even start a game streaming service. They love services. We we all know they love that services revenue. I mean, we know that we know Apple Arcade is out there, although that's not a game streaming service, but uh, Apple yeah. is there, and it, it, but it's not anything on a level of like, uh, a game. Yeah. Like that, so, yeah. But yeah, if they had like console level games, you know, if I could play the yes. next Elder Scrolls game or or whatever, I that's I guess that's gonna be an Xbox game now. Whatever, you know, the next AAA <laughs> game that's going to all the platforms or something. If I could play that on my iPad, um, they recently uh Divinity Original Sin 2 just came to the iPad, and that was a PC game for a really long time. It's like a heavy RPG game, and it works so well on the iPad with a controller. I'm just like, come on, guys, like you have to see this. You have to see like there's there's a whole nother world that you're just kind of like letting flounder um, that that they could really just take advantage of. Yeah, they definitely have the infrastructure in place to have a, a gaming service uh, set up for Apple or iPhones and iPad. But uh, up until this point, I mean, the best we've gotten is Apple Arcade and that ain't it, Chief. That is not it. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's some good stuff on Apple Arcade and stuff like that, but it's not they, they aren't games that if I'm going to sit down and play a video game for, you know, an hour or two, Apple Arcade isn't the first place I go and look at. No, not at all. Not at all. So, yeah. I agree. We can definitely agree on that. So I got to talk about a product that you recently acquired earlier today. Uh, our boy Chris Nolan went oh. out and got the MagSafe battery pack. Um, I've heard mixed things about this. Uh, what are your initial thoughts? Um, so I've literally only had this for like five hours now. But I, what I did was I drained my. I'm looking here to see what this is. I so I drained my iPhone battery down to five percent. Uh, and charge the battery pack up all the way. And I have an iPhone 12 Pro here, not not the Max, just the regular Pro. And I got it up to 60%. So it didn't charge it all the way. Oh. Uh, but uh, at the end of the day, I don't think this is meant to be a um, battery pack. Like this isn't meant to like charge your iPhones and all these devices. Like this is meant to extend your battery life. The reason why I went and got this is I have a couple of trips coming up that I'm just like the iPhone 12 pro battery life isn't good enough to get me through a regular day so traveling being on lte or 5g or whatever it'll end up being at the time i can see that just draining my battery a lot so i'm like okay i'm gonna pick this up i'll leave it in my backpack when i need it i can throw it on it's mag safe i like that it just you know clicks i don't have to worry about getting a cable and plugging it into some external battery or anything like that i could just attach it now i do use the MagSafe wallet so the unfortunate thing is you can't, you know, put the battery on and then attach the wallet or anything like that. It's either right. one or the other. Mm -hmm. um, if you do have the case, you can go case, uh, you can do case and then battery or case and then wallet, but you can't you do battery and wallet, which is unfortunate. Um, so I will have to like swap between those. Uh, it does look like you could charge your AirPods if you have one of the wireless charging AirPod cases. Mm -hmm. uh, you could charge your AirPods from that. So that's nice. Um, I, I think this will be something I carry around with me on trips, but I don't think it'll be something I use throughout my day since I work at home. I just put my iPhone on the charger when it gets low. Now, I'm a proponent of the smart battery case because I like the fact that the case wraps around the entire phone. It, it connects directly into the lightning port of the, the older iPhones, and you can use it that way. I'm kind of perturbed that they didn't make a MagSafe case this year, but I guess this is the next best thing that we have. So I'm curious to get your thoughts. Like, how is it? In, how does it feel in your hand? Like holding the phone with that uh, pack on the back of it? Is it like cumbersome? Is it easy to hold? How do you feel about it? 
Um, so I don't use a case. That's that should be the first thing I should mention is I don't have a case, so I don't have that any extra bulk there. Um, okay. It doesn't bother me. I have big hands, though. So I, I just put my pinky right there, rest it um, for those that are doing the video. Sorry for the people that are just listening to the audio, but um, it fits in my hand just fine. I can use the phone one handed still. It's not a big deal. Again, I have really big hands, so it's not it's probably not normal use case for most people, but I think it's fine. It also detaches really easily. So I can see like picking it up and like using it, you just take the battery case off, use it and then slap it back on. Now, when you say detaches easily, a lot of people, uh, they talk about uh, sliding the phone in and out of your pocket. So do you think that that, that battery pack will detach easily if you try to slide it in and out of your pocket? Um, I, so I wear skinny jeans. Yeah, I'm that guy. Um, and I, so, so I you're a perfect case. You're perfect. Case. Yeah. So perfect. I was, I was trying it earlier. I, I tried it about 10 times and twice it popped off. So mm -hmm. eh, it might be a big issue. You might just need to get used to it. When I was using the, when I got, when I got the MagSafe wallet, it took me a little bit of time to get used to it. What I realized is I needed to kind of like pop open my pockets a little bit and then let the phone kind of drop into the pocket. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of feel like the MagSafe wallet might be the same thing. You get used to it over time. Um, or the MagSafe battery. I'm sorry. I said the wallet, um, but the right. wallet, I, I like, I, it hasn't popped off ever now. So I, I don't, have that issue so this will kind of be like a how does it work three months down the road kind of use case gotcha okay yeah that sounds about right so we have reached a portion of the podcast where we are going to do a q a mr james apple in the building what's up man how you doing what's going on what's going on viper so i guess i have two questions but you know for chris and i guess i'll go with my one question first like, why is there no, like, you know, I guess mask unlock with the iPad Pro and the Apple Watch? I I think that's because people or Apple sees the iPad as something where you're sitting down and using and mask unlock is meant to be something that's on the go and like, hey, I'm in the grocery store and I need to unlock my phone really quickly. Um, when they put out mask unlock, they put out kind of a security documentation and it kind of made it sound like they weren't super, super excited to do this because it lowered security a little bit. You're, it's not using face ID. It's trying to use face ID and then it defaults back to the apple watch the other thing too is the apple watch doesn't pair with the ipad it only pairs with the iphone there's no watch app with the ipad there's no communication between the apple watch and the ipad it's just the apple watch and the phone okay okay it, but doesn't it like pair to the watch when you know like you do fitness plus or something like that for example because that that is a good point yeah i i believe it does um uh, but I, yeah, I, I still, I don't think Apple see, and, and I don't work for Apple, so I don't, uh, I don't have the, the proper answer for you, but, uh, I don't think Apple sees the iPad as something you're using on the go. So they didn't want to kind of lower that security, um, with that, because again, like face, the mask unlock thing isn't using face ID. It tries to use face ID when it sees it fails, but it kind of sees your face. Then it bounces back to the Apple watch and sees if, if your Apple watch is unlocked. So I could see it as a security thing. Um, but also I, you know, maybe I, I honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure that would be a good question for Apple. Yeah, no. Cause it's like, it's like the Mac can do it. The, the, the phone can do it. And it's like, why is like the iPad dead last in this race? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
I think uh, like Chris said, though, the iPad is designed is is basically supposed to be a, a work at home device. It's not designed to be mobile, even though obviously it is a mobile device. But I don't think people I don't think Apple expects people to use it as much as they use their iPhones or take it on the go as much. So math unlock for it is not really necessary or needed, at least in Apple's opinion, probably. So, yeah, that that's kind of my thought too. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Yeah. Hey James, man, I appreciate you coming up with the question, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem, man. No problem. So we got a question on YouTube here from Sean Bauer. He says, uh, are you are you still a big fan, Chris, of craft for note taking or have you switched to note for note taking? Um, so every year when Apple puts out the new iPad OS and iOS releases, I always switch to the first party productivity apps or the the ones that have had big changes. So over the summer, I am using notes, um, but I am still a huge fan of craft. Uh, they teased the other day that they are adding tables uh, to the app, which is something everyone has been asking for, especially if you look at the comment section on my craft videos. Um, so that is really exciting. That's really um Cool. I'm going to revisit craft again once uh, iPad OS 15 is officially out and I put out my my walkthrough video and all the videos talking about that stuff. But for right now, during the summer, I use notes so that way I know everything about it. And when I do make my walkthrough videos, I can make a really competent and um, uh, airtight argument, not even airtight argument, but just explain all the new things in it and explain how I've been using it over the summer. Listen to that man. That man, he he gets knee deep into the product that he's reviewing, so he can give you the airtight reviews and over reviews of what he's using. That's what's up, man. I thought it's done. <laughs> Joseph, you're on vibe drop, man. What's up? Hey guys. Um, quick question. You might have uh, you might have already answered this earlier because so I missed part of the stream, so I apologize if I'm repeating a question that was already answered. But um, you know, Apple has over the years expanded the iPad lineup. Um, you know, we have larger iPads, smaller iPads, iPads at different price points. Is there a form factor or price point that Apple doesn't currently hit with the iPad lineup that you'd like to see them offer? Yeah, uh, yeah, we talked about this a little bit, but uh, just really, really quickly, um, I would love to see um, one a bigger iPad that's basically a laptop. We talked about the Bluebird fourteen to sixteen inch iPad, and I was uh, saying that hey, this could be not necessarily a tablet, but an iPad that's permanently attached to something like the Magic Keyboard case, and it'd be a laptop. Uh, but personally, far my far reaching wish is to get a desktop iPad, an iPad that's twenty four. 27 maybe even 32 inches whatever um that's always plugged into power it's not a tablet it's a desktop computer i pair a keyboard i pair a trackpad with it and use it that way and that is a full-on desktop computer unleash you know put whatever m number x chip in it or something <laughs> like that and just let it let it go blazing fast interesting yeah i mean i think i think you could probably get there or apple could get us there just with better external display support at least for that yeah. specific use case where you just pair some peripherals to it. Yeah, there there is that. But then there would also be the benefit of having something like Face ID built into or Face ID and the camera built into uh, the desktop. Like right now, anytime I'm doing a video call or something like that, uh, I do have an external monitor on my desk. I use it, but I have to turn and face the iPad when I'm doing video calls and stuff like that. And I and I can't use my nice big monitor uh, because that's not where the camera is. I, I need to look at the camera so it looks like I'm paying attention and I'm not, you know, ignoring somebody that I'm on a call with because, yeah, I don't want be weird yeah boy. makes sense viper can i get one more in or go ahead I, I'll, absolutely you're up man cool cool real quick uh, so just piggybacking on what james was asking earlier is there something that the iphone can do that the ipad can't similar to watch pairing that that you'd like to see added hmm. 
Something the iPhone can do that the iPad can't. That is a good question. Um, why do I feel like there's like a bunch of things and I just can't think of something off the top of my head right now? Uh, we're getting widgets on the home screen in 15. Oh, this is going to seem like a, kind of a weird one. Um, the health app. Uh, I'm diabetic, so I put my blood sugar numbers into the health app every single day or twice a day, actually. Um, and there's no health app on the iPad. So I, the, I have a shortcut that I run to do this. I just put the numbers in and it puts it in the health app. I have to run that from my iPhone. I'd love to be able to run that from my iPad as well, but the health app needs to be there in order for that to work. Interesting. Yeah. I, um, for me, it's the health app and also the wallet app. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's on there as well. Yeah. Yeah, those are both good. Interesting. Hey, Jotham, thank you for coming up, man. Appreciate you. Thank you. No problem, man. No problem. All right, we have a question on YouTube here from Tech for Your Needs. He says, uh, if your computer broke and you are forced to use the iPad for everything, what is the one thing that you need to do first to get things going? I use my iPad for everything already. I'm, so I'm good to go. <laughs> I'm good to go. I don't need to worry. Uh, <laughs> if my Mac Mini broke, I would just be like, "Oh well, I'll, I'm good." That's just my file server that I'm not currently using for anything. So, uh, <laughs> if if my main iPad broke, I would just grab one of my other iPads because <laughs> I have multiple. You have to have backups when you. I mean, I'm running beta software on on one. I got got to have a reference device. So. Right. Yeah, now I'm good. <laughs> okay, okay. Let me let me rephrase the question for him. So if a person has a MacBook, right, or I have a MacBook Pro, MacBook, whatever, but okay. they want to transition from using a MacBook to using an iPad, what should they know before making that transition? Um I would kind of assess what you're doing with that Mac um, or PC or whatever. Just be like, hey, I'm doing photo editing. I'm doing, I'm writing, I'm doing a bunch of emails. I'm maybe writing blog posts or whatever. Just kind of make a list of all the stuff that you do on those computers and, and find the apps that work the best. Now, there may be, like we talked about earlier in the stream, there's Photoshop on the iPad, but Photoshop is not the best Photoshop app for the iPad. That's affinity photo. I think you and I could both agree yep. on that all day long. Um, so I would not, I, so I wouldn't just assume everything's going to be one-to-one -one. figure out what you're doing and kind of make that transition. It's going to be rough. It's not easy at all to, to go from a Mac to a, uh, or from going to from a Mac to an iPad or a PC to an iPad because everything is a one-to-one -one. multitasking works different. The file system works different and stuff like that. So um, just kind of like figuring out those things one at a time is really nice. I didn't go, um, I made a smooth transition from working from the Mac to an iPad. I just started moving a little bit of tasks one at a time to the iPad from the Mac. So I didn't, I didn't just wake up one day and was like, okay, I'm done with the Mac. Like I'm all in on the iPad. I moved, like I started with things like writing blog posts and emails. I start, I moved that to the iPad and then like I finished it off with editing videos on the iPad. That was like the final thing that, that kind of I needed to be able to do. And then the fusion came around and I was. Yeah, if you're going to make that type of transition like Chris, I would suggest doing it slowly just so you can figure out what your workflow will be like on the iPad so you yeah. can make the best, the most smooth transition possible because there's nothing worse than trying to make that transition like cold turkey and figuring out, oh, I need this, but I can't do it on the iPad or, yeah. or, I, need, or I need this and it's not there. So definitely something that you want to do on a, at, a, uh, at a gradual pace. You don't just want to wake up one morning like you said and just, oh, you know what? 
damn my Mac. Let me use an iMac. <laughs> not yeah, not exactly. Go not gonna go well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep that. I, I even when I made that transition, I still had a MacBook Pro around for like six months, just in case. Absolutely, of course, absolutely redundancy. As we know, I think we and I see no redundancy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that was exactly why I kept that MacBook around was because of the IT stuff. So yeah, yep, one hundred percent. So. The one thing that Renee Ritchie had mentioned in his iPad uh, review video and something that I definitely agree with, which is not in place right now, is the camera on the iPad, the front camera on the iPad. If you have it situated in landscape, it is all the way at the left side. And it's kind of weird when you're trying to make like FaceTime calls or take video calls. It's kind of in an awkward position. I would love to see Apple kind of shift it to the middle of the iPad, um, especially when you have it in landscape. I know they expect most people to use it in portrait mode, and that's why it's where it is. But we got to figure out a way to like re either redo the camera or have like multiple cameras on the iPad. So there could be one in landscape and the perfect spot. So we can look more natural during video calls and not have to go or <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, you could probably see me doing that here. Like I'm right. like, huh. right, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, the only issue I see with that is that's where the Apple Pencil charger is. So there's mm -hmm. magnets there. So I'd be worried it might mess up the camera. I, I'm i not a hardware engineer at all. So mm -hmm. that's the only thing in my head that I've always kind of been like, ah, that may not work. I think center stage is kind of their answer for now. And it kind of works as long as you get the iPad up high. That's the trick. If you use the iPad in a magic keyboard um, case, your the iPad's low and it's going to be looking up your nose. It's not a flattering angle at all. <laughs> so I have this guy right here, this laptop stand that I put my iPad on for video calls and stuff. So that way it's up high and you know, it's not, people aren't looking up my nose and seeing nose hairs and stuff. Cause that's yeah, gross. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants yeah, that. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> nobody yeah. wants that. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Uh, James, welcome back, man. Yeah. Welcome. So I have a, I guess I have a, my, now I figured out my second dang question um so question um so what's your thoughts on ipads i guess ad adopting oled somewhere down the road like maybe not towards these ipads but maybe towards the next generation ones um yeah that's really interesting uh in fact um I was just talking to somebody about this. It would be good if they do the good OLED, like the TV OLED and not the phone OLED, right? Like, that's <laughs> right. Like, because I, I mean, uh, I don't know. We'll see. I'm happy with the mini LED stuff. I know it there's some, good. it's good. I know some people say there's blooming and stuff, but it's really in extreme situations where you see the blooming, like all black background, and here's like a white text or something like that, which I mean, I mean, I think the only way to fix that is with OLED and stuff like that. But the mini LED display is really nice. I'm not clamoring to have OLED on the iPad, but if Apple does it and Apple, I mean, in traditional Apple style, they're going to do good OLED. Like oh, yeah. they're not, they're not going to replace something that's good with something that's bad. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm not clamoring for it. I think there's other hardware things I would rather have first. Um, the, my question, Ooh, now I just thought of this. Would OLED be better for the battery life than mini led? Probably. Yes. Because yeah. it would only light up the pictures that need to be lit up and things like that. And mini led is like a complete like backlighting situation. So yeah, it would definitely be better for battery life. Okay. Then I want it. Yeah. Now <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I want it. <laughs> but, uh, but make no mistake though. Like, like Chris said, the mini led display is legit. It is very nice. Yeah, it's now, is it, is it a reason to upgrade from the 2020 to the 2021? Absolutely not. But it's nice nah. to have for sure. 
yeah I mean, yeah but you know it's like it's like one of those things where it's like you know i'm going from a 10.5 inch ipad pro to a 12.9 and it's like that mini led display is like psh, looking like hot fire right now <laughs> and, and yeah what i think it's what i think it's because i think what they're saying is like the oleds are going to come to the lower tier models like the air the the next generation mini whenever that redesign comes out for that one um because it's like seems like it's like that way and they're just gonna just keep mini led on the ipad is that like a good balance i i think so uh because the the display especially like on the base ipad and the ipad mini the displays on those are not good at all like i don't i can't i can't stand them um especially Ooh. the ones that are air gapped i'm like uh it, the ipad pro has ruined me it's ruined my tv that i bought like a year ago <laughs> and, like it's just the new i it's just completely ruined me so if if oled does come to those lower end ipads i think that would be a good thing like if anything that can make those ipads a better bang for your buck and i think that would because the displays on those are not great right now Definitely. Yo, Jane, appreciate you coming back up, man. Thank you. Thank you. But uh, yeah, that mini LED display is uh, it's legit. I very nice. Yeah, when I when I got the review unit, I uh, I watched Mad Max Fury Road and Blade Runner 2049 on it. Um, and it, it, it's the best viewing experience I've had of those movies since I saw them in theaters. I they're just they're it. It's I I couldn't explain it like that was the thing I had the hardest time for in my review explaining was the mini LED display and how good it is. It it, it is awesome. It is definitely amazing. So I got a question for you. Um, okay. Have you ever used an iPhone Pro Max or a Pro Max or a plus size iPhone? Yes. Uh, it feels like I go back and forth every year. <laughs> so the the eleven I had the Max. The seven I had the Max. The ten was uh, the ten was just one size. Uh, the six S I had the regular one and then the six, I had the plus one. Okay. So every, every year I go back and forth. I asked because I thought I thought that you have the iPhone 12 pro, which is the, the middle tier, the 6.1 mm -hmm. is iPhone. So I have an iPhone 12 pro max. That's my main phone basically. But recently I acquired the iPhone 12 mini and this one changed my life. Like I want one. <laughs> this phone right here is the, the just the, the, the screen size and everything absolutely amazing um it made me consider not getting a mac phone this year now i don't think i can rock this full time because it's too small but it makes me want to get the iphone 12 or 12 pro or the 13 pro or 13 or whatever i, I want the middle iphone this year. i don't think i'm getting a bigger one anymore <laughs> i i held one of those for the first time today when i went to the apple store to pick up this guy mm -hmm. uh, i held one of those for the first time and i wanted to buy it immediately i left the <laughs> apple store because i was like nope you're gonna buy one of these and the iphone 13 <laughs> is like uh, two right. months away like do not buy an iphone right now um yep. i love that thing i know everyone has issues with the battery life but i work at home home all day long i don't care um this is a bit even though this isn't the max this is still a big phone and yeah, yeah i you know yeah i think i'm gonna get I, that I one this year yeah yeah i i mean it's a good phone i love it um i do have some issues with the battery it doesn't make it through all the way all the day so that's right. a bit of a bummer the max i think the iphone 11 pro max that had the best battery life. Huh. I don't know yeah. what they did with that battery life, but it was, I, it was, it could last for two days if I wanted it to. It was amazing. Yeah, it was great. Definitely. All right. So I think our last question of the night coming from the big hit three nerd on Twitter, Facebook. What's up, man? You're on Vibe Drive. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. 
so talking about the iPad screens uh, and like the OLED versus mini LED, it kind of got me thinking if Apple ever introduces a foldable, say it's five years from now or however long it takes, do you think it'll be in the iPad lineup or in the iPhone lineup? <laughs> this is something I've been thinking about a lot ever since I saw Westworld. The ultimate device that I want is an iPhone that folds open into being an iPad mini that's running iPad OS. So when it's closed up, it's an iPhone running iOS. When you open it up, it's an iPad mini with the dock, multitasking, split view, all those features. It's an iPad mini. I want that device so badly. I think the, it'll come to the iPhone first. I could see maybe Apple doing it for the iPad eventually, but uh, those screens will be costly. Uh, to make big versions of the screens, it'll be costly. So I would see the iPhone getting that first, then maybe the iPad. But an iPhone that opens up into the iPad is the device that I would, I would, I would love. I, I just Apple. Here's my credit card. Sure. Charge whatever you want to it. Apple will make a killing off of that for real. Yeah. Hey, history nerd. Thank you for coming up, man. Appreciate you. Shout out to those of y'all who are listening on audio only this week. Once again, thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Job with me and my man, Chris Lawley. If you want to go check out his content, his information will be down in the show notes. You should check him out, especially if you want to learn all about the iPad and all the pro-level apps and all the inner workings and how it flows. Definitely check him out. He is legit. If you would like to support the podcast monetarily, there should be a buy me a coffee link down in the show notes as well. Nothing is required of you, but whatever you're willing to contribute, greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, which most of you are, please consider leaving a rating or review as it helps more people discover the podcast, help, uh, help us get up there in Apple, help maybe Apple potentially recommend the podcast to more people. So if you do happen to be listening on Apple Podcasts, please consider leaving a rating or review. And thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive. But until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more.